Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself. And I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Today, we're going to do an interview with Jamie. And it's, I've been fortunate to know Jamie for a couple of years now, and she's been a, a great help to our family. And we have a few things in common. It's not too often that we get an opportunity, so far at least, to interview a lady that has had an addiction. And so I'm really looking forward to this, Jamie, and hope that uh, you can share with us some of the, the hope that you've received from all the healing that you've gone through. Yeah, I am too. It's been a, a very interesting journey so far, a very blessed one long term, but uh, interesting nonetheless. And I'm looking forward to sharing it and to see how it blesses other people to know that there's someone else in the midst of that struggle or someone who's come out of the exactly, midst of the struggle. Exactly. That's exactly what we're here for. So by the way, Jamie is the same name as my wife. My wife is not going to be part of this, this interview because it's not a couple. So we're just doing this directly but i just wanted to note that it's not jamie my wife you can probably tell that by your voice but <laughs> it's jamie with slightly different spelling yep, yes exactly <laughs> so all right jamie so let's talk a little bit about your you and who are you and in your childhood whatever will help us to enter into your world and what you were dealing with prior to your addiction or going into the period where you started an addiction yeah, absolutely. So I was had a very traumatic childhood, I would say. And for a, most of my life, it was felt felt very blocked off. I could remember, remember things, but it was like half of my life was put into one box, half of it was in a different, you know, kind of sectioned off. And I was born to a mom who had already had two kids. And I was told that I was a product of a rape situation, that she did end up marrying my father and uh, having another child with him later on. But I grew up with this stigma of being initially unwanted. Um, and even though she chose to keep me feeling this sense of that I was not mm -hmm. desired yeah. initially. And that... Um, that is just... And yeah. so both of us have done some coaching and I know you know this, that that's just amazingly harmful to a young child to, and, and it's not something we can't heal from, but it is something that, that really does take some work to get through. It does. And I think a portion of it was that my biological father was a sociopath mm -hmm. as well. And it was a very confusing upbringing for me as a child because he wasn't in my life physically, but the damage mm -hmm. that he'd wrought followed me yeah. for the rest of my life. Even though my mother had chosen to keep me, uh, it was a very, was kind of always looming mm -hmm. in the background that I was a product of this person who was just harmful and evil 
and that mm. I was his offspring. And I would be told by adults that I was oh, no. just like oh. him and that I was a sociopath too, where, and you're telling this to a five, six, wow. seven, eight year old. So by the time I was eight, I was actually being taken into cuffs by detectives for theft all the time. I got caught in enough stores by age eight that they told me that if I did it one more time, that I was going to juvie. And um, whether that was true or not, whether they were trying to scare me, I'm not sure. But the reason I was doing these things was because of the trauma that I endured mm -hmm. as a child and as a kid that's been told it's because you're a sociopath, just like your father. I didn't realize that it was because I was being abused and needed healing and needed to yeah. feel safe. It was in my head because I was related to him, I must be just like him. By the age of eight, I was reading all of these books about how sociopathy becomes, whether it's inherent, whether it's created, how you can know if you're a sociopath. And the struggle is that when you're a child, you're understanding the world through a very mm -hmm. different lens. You're not seeing it as, as it genuinely is, you're seeing it through these childlike eyes that you think you know things that you don't fully yeah yeah know. i think until i think it's until at least seven and it's probably later in some people that we're taking everything as our own fault we don't really understand yeah. that it's possible for a parent or someone else to harm us wow yeah i think it took me until yeah. i was 22 to yeah this, really is, this is definitely some heavy stuff and i think that it's nice as you go along yeah. that you're helping us feel the the end of the story a little bit because there's a lot here. <laughs> there is a lot. I've heard people tell me, even just knowing a brief portion of my life, that I really need to write a book because it feels very fictiony long term. So if I were to get into it all, it'd be too much. But so as yeah. you can tell, there's a lot of trauma in that past. When I was 11, we actually went into hiding from my biological father because he had threatened to murder us and a whole bunch of other stuff going on in that. At that time period, we left everything behind. We changed our identities. We couldn't contact anybody. And it was like, all of a sudden I had this disconnect. There were two separate childhoods. Now the one that really happened that I couldn't access, I couldn't talk about. It wasn't safe. If I were to even think about it, I was being told that it could lead to us being, Found. you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. killed basically so it created this identity mm -hmm. crisis in me which as an 11 year old is not uh not the best no. thing you know you're not prepared mm -hmm. to handle any of this and you're being taught that not only can you not talk about your childhood but if you do you're gonna endanger everyone that you love so now you're responsible for the survival wow. of your family. So a li little bit of fear here. Um, <laughs> uh, extreme amounts of fear. Oh. <laughs> I lived so much fear that I didn't even know I could fear things because mm -hmm. it felt so normal to me that I really thought I wasn't yeah, afraid of anything. Yeah. It's very interesting when the Holy Spirit actually showed me that I was just afraid of everything. I was like mind blown. I was like, <laughs> I thought I was fearless, but the reality is that I so yeah. lived with fear that it became like my life just became normal. We went into hiding, changed our names, kind of lived this complete separate life, even told people different background stories. Like 
we told people that we lived in states that we never did. You know, I had whole mm-hmm. a whole life that I got to tell was fiction. So that became like I was already struggling with lying as a child, like severe lies. I didn't I had trouble telling the truth at all because there was this inherent piece of me that believed that I was not good enough. So I would just lie, even if the truth would be less damaging. I wouldn't get mm-hmm. me in trouble at all. I just so believed that everything that I was going to do was wrong that I just yeah. would lie. That way, maybe yeah. That, isn't this me. interesting? So we just got uh, layer upon layer, and this is this is what you know. It's hard sometimes because the adults in our life, you know, they don't understand any better either. But yet, no. like, there's just these layers being built up by Satan. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, just Absolutely. when it's just lies upon lies, those are, and, and certainly yep. as we get older, we're we're agreeing with or accepting those lies and building on top of them. But yeah, it doesn't get any better, does it? It just keeps piling up. I think. I, well, well I think sorry. I mean, as long as we that... keep, you know, layering it on top of each right. other, it's like you know the lies, the lies right, that you, that's true. the initial like prior to eight. There's a certain level of lying. Then yep. there's the necessity to lie because of fear. And then, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, it's like a house of absolutely. cards. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't even yeah. realize that you're mm-hmm. lying. Yep. You believe it. It's You believe that this is just genuinely yeah. who you are, not layers that the world has thrown on you or layers that you've thrown on yourself to protect yourself. I got, I got given this vision, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I had given this vision from the Lord that... It was this like statue and the statue had like paints and layers and all these things over top of it. Mm-hmm. And it made it look really ugly. It was really actually atrocious. And and you wouldn't want this, mm-hmm. this art. And seeing this vision, I, it was me. Like I could see that this was me. And I was like, God, why are you showing me this? This is hurting me. This is damaging me to, to know that this is who I am. This is what you think of me. He's like, you're not looking hard enough. And he started showing me that the layers Mm -hmm. were lies. It was either things that I had Mm -hmm. put on myself to either protect myself or hard drives or things like that, beliefs that I thought would protect me or that I needed to agree with in order to be okay. But the reality is, is it was trapping me and it was hiding who I really was. And so he showed me that, layer after layer he would take off and he would show me that this was shame this was that you thought you were a sociopath this was you thought you were unwanted and everything and he would take each part off and then underneath was this amazing gorgeous beautiful Mm -hmm. statue and he's like this is is amazing that is really and this is that is really powerful yeah it it was it was actually Mm -hmm. very life-changing yeah so when we realized we are not the actions that we've taken or even like the beliefs mm-hmm. that we've had when we come to realize that those are a product of trauma or wounds yeah. or lies of Satan that we've come into agreement with, even though that, that doesn't change who we yeah. truly are. We just have to learn how to heal from them too. Yeah, get and to it's who so cool because like we even take energy that's not ours, you know, from someone else. And, and yes. um, yeah, Absolutely. I just love that picture. That's That's a great tool. All right, so then, so we have the setup. There's trauma. There's plenty of yep. stuff here to 
<laughs> to get us to the next level. So we're, we're, so there's possibly yes. even some addictive behavior at this point that we, we already talked heard about lies Absolutely. and then being validated in that and all that, like that adds up, but all right, take us to the next level. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that everybody should know is that I grew up in church. I grew up believing in God. I grew up knowing that sex was wrong outside of marriage. 100% knew that. And my mother had stayed celibate for the majority of my life after she left my dad. So I was like three at the time. She'd never even gone on a date. She hardcore told me she was waiting for the one that God had mm-hmm. told her she would marry. And she didn't know who that would be, but she wasn't going to settle for less, Mm -hmm. which is great. And I fully applauded her and I put her on a pedestal. And I did not believe that she would ever sin because she had taught me how important these things were. And, you know, and at some point, she's human. Everybody will make a mistake. And a mistake was made and it broke a Mm -hmm. piece of me, which is very interesting because you would think that it wouldn't. But because... I believed that I was the problem and that my mother was perfect, even though she'd never claimed to be. When she fell short, I I judged mm-hmm. her and I hated her because she was supposed to be perfect. She was supposed to be yeah. what I couldn't be. She yeah, was supposed is, is to be human. It, is it maybe and just like you're holding on to that part am- amongst everything else that was going on? That was the part that was I propping so. you up and it's she, like the last no, straw. It's like, Yeah. It really was. And when that was the only thing that was consistent and she met an amazing man who is now my father and I love, and he's a blessing in my life. But at the time it was the only thing that was consistent in my life was that my mother didn't fail. And even though she did, I just, I was in denial and wouldn't allow myself to see that she was human, which led to a lot of disconnect in our relationship Mm -hmm. throughout the years. So but so that was that was a portion of breaking in me and the first there had already been sexual instances in my family where there was pornography shown at a young age or abuse throughout my family there'd been a lot of family members of mine that had been sexually assaulted severely by family members by multiple people like as a honestly a curse mm-hmm. on my family that i had seen as a child And I heard these stories from these women who were trying to warn me, but they went into severe detail. Hmm. And in an effort to have me as a child understand that if anybody were to do these things, that they were very wrong. But what it did was create this disconnect in me that says, okay, so I'm a woman, I'm a girl, I have a choice, I can either Mm -hmm. be the victim, or I can enjoy it. I can choose it. If I choose it, then they the abusers lose all power over me because someone who's a predator wants power. They want the other person to be afraid. They want to be taking something. But if I can't, if I don't let them take it, if I wanted it, yeah. then they couldn't take it. Yeah. Then I had the Isn't power. Isn't this interesting? And, so, and to just uh, yeah. pause for a second to the listener, like you can tell, and as we're talking to Jamie, like you can tell how much work she's done. Like she's dug through all of these different pieces of her life and uh, unwrap them and receive help in them. And as you're listening, just think about what it would take to go through all of this and unravel it and realize that, you know, God has given her that grace to do that. And 
that when we talk about our struggles become our superpowers already in this story before we're even getting to the the you know as we're getting to, to the beginning of the addiction story we're already seeing how much you've gone through and took apart and understood about your childhood and what set you up for this these types of choices yeah absolutely um i would like to say that absolutely none of this would be possible if not for the holy spirit the majority of my journey the holy spirit literally had to fight my own stubbornness and my own love of the lies that I believed and the wanting to hold on to them in order to break through these layers, he actually had to take me on visions and show me and speak his love to me in order for any of this to be worked through. So while yes, we kind of have a partnership with God in it, if it weren't for God, I would be probably in the crazy house because it's trauma and trauma at a certain point can break anybody. Yeah, I love, I I appreciate you bringing it out like that. I I, th- I sometimes focus on the the part of the work that we're doing, but yes, absolutely, and every yeah, and every piece of goodness that is being exposed in us and in all of the work that we're working through about ourselves or about our childhood, absolutely, God is so interested in in making that happen and and providing the resources and. And when we get to that place where we're praying for the things that really matter and that we really need, then he's glad to provide it in hours or mere days of when we're asking, you know, that's. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. And now that I'm in a healthy space, I'm able to now intentionally see through the lies. Like when I agree with one, I can feel in my spirit that this isn't Mm -hmm. who God created me to be. But when you're in the throes of it, a lot of times the Holy Spirit actually has to do it completely himself and fighting us almost in yeah. order to heal us. And it's this beautiful story. It reminds me of Hosea and Gomer where, you know, Hosea has to keep bringing, bringing her back mm-hmm. in order to love her. And she's like, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm good with this. And he's fighting for us against us because we've got these false beliefs. And so it's this really cool really beautiful powerful love yes. for us so anyways uh, yeah sorry to interrupt yeah. it's uh let's go ahead i mean so you're so it sounds like there's there's a sexual component here in your addiction let's just go ahead and identify oh, what what we're talking about here and go forward from there yeah for sure so that's kind of the backdrop of that and then i really wasn't struggling with lust per se until i became about 16 and i had a boyfriend for the first time you know, an actual Mm -hmm. boyfriend and loved him. And I had this disconnect now that I believed that as long as you, because with my mother, the the thing that she had told me was that she was planning on, like they'd already said their vows in front of God kind of a thing. And so then it was okay. And so in my head as a 16 year old now, as long as I'm going to marry this guy, as long as I love him and I'm planning on staying with him for Mm -hmm. the rest of my life, it's okay. Which is, a lie but it's what Mm -hmm. we kind of tell ourselves as things happened but that at that point there was this shifting in my spirit because I believed that I really didn't have an identity I really didn't like who I was I didn't know who I was but the thing that had been had stuck with me throughout my entire life was that I 
my value came could come from sex as long as I could know how to do it well and then I could be mm-hmm. a value that was my part to play and maybe if I could be good enough then someone would love me so my initial journey started based on that insecurity and based on that lack of love for myself and lack of understanding of who I am and my value and so I would start researching things on what what can I do to be better what should I do and it led to some very dark addictions it led to the entirety of my relationship with sex was abusive and it was insecurity based and it was very very much that if I went like if I were to have an interaction with someone that I loved it would actually Mm -hmm. shut me down from love which is unusual for a woman because or at least theoretically unusual for a woman because we're supposed to according to the books yes (laughs) yeah according to whatever but for me it was actually like this wall it would protect me from being close with them because as I wanted to be close with them I wanted them to love me but because I didn't view myself as lovable then I would do these things and the more I did them the more my heart hardened because they didn't because I believe that they didn't think that I was yeah. valuable unless I did these things. So it actually ended up causing me to not be close with them. I couldn't actually be emotionally intimate. And I stayed in that relationship for three years until I, I ended up cheating and getting pregnant. And in this whole time period, I grew addicted mm-hmm. to pornography, be it uh, videos or like the, oh, geez, what is it? The um, The written stories, like they say, the romance novels for women, but it can go even a step farther. Like romance novels are just yeah. written pornography and it can go even worse than that. And the way I look at lust is whether it's pornography, whether it's books, whether it's mental mm-hmm. pictures in your head, all are lust based. And lust is lust is just a way of trying to fix what your heart needs in a way that's actually unhealthy yep. and actually damaging. Create a create a, uh, create so for a me it was like, connection with something that gives you value, but it's an immoral connection yes. that is not actually giving yep. you anything. It's rather it's taking. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, sometimes people tell themselves, well, I'm not watching pornography, mm-hmm. so I'm okay. I'm not sleeping around, so it's okay. But the reality is, is that those thoughts are actually damaging to you. It's damaging to the person that you're with. It's damaging to the embodiment of sex and the way that you view it. You're viewing it as something less than God designed it to be. You're viewing it as something yeah. uh, carnal and selfish. You're not actually viewing it as it is, which is supposed to be vulnerable and intimate and a blessing. And that I couldn't view it as that because I couldn't be vulnerable because I couldn't yeah. show myself. So that's why it cut me off and why it shut every every mm-hmm. emotional door because right. it either creates vulnerability and it, or it feeds on vulnerability and it blesses the relationship and it brings you closer or it is actually yeah. damaging you and it's you're ripping pieces away every time because you're not vulnerable and you're not being able to draw. Yeah, one thing I tell guys that are addicted is, you know, if you're especially safe from from a pornography or sexual side of things like you're you're attaching your soul to other souls and of course this applies to women too and i think that 
as much as it might seem different or whatever to have this conversation with you, Jamie, I think that you're proving to us that this is a human thing and, and we can, we can all fall into traps. It's like we have certain stigmas and thinking and yeah, it's just, we're humans and uh, we can play whatever role we want to play that Satan gives us or, or whatever. So anyway, that thought of just that we're, we don't want to be attaching our soul to something that's not Mm going to give us good energy and a good relationship and a a marriage relationship is just like incredibly that's where you want to attach your soul to someone (laughs) it's a it's a powerful thing that way but so wow this is this is incredible what you've gone through so now um and probably even just there was some damage even for the people involved in all of this so how did you We've already heard some of the superpower part. I mean, you you dig through this stuff so <laughs> detail in such a detailed way, explaining even some of the reasons why you worked. You know what what the process was. You've done a beautiful job, but like, how did you make that next step? And and um... yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways that I realized that I actually had a problem was every time that I would get into a relationship. I would choose to believe that I was going Mm -hmm. to marry this person in order for it to be okay in my head to have sex with them. And then that way, if I had sex with them, then maybe they would want to marry me. With that in mind, I got involved with someone who was very damaging sexually. And there's different types of interactions that people have, different um, sex besides vanilla and whatever. And so... I was in a damaging lifestyle involved in BDSM with this person. And it's what I thought that I wanted because again, I didn't view sex Mm -hmm. as life-giving. I viewed it as damaging. And as long as I was the one wanting to be hurt, no one would have power over me. So that's a lot of what comes into that lifestyle. Do you feel like you were like, at that point you were starting to like punish yourself? I mean, to a certain certain extent you were doing that already, but this is like an extension of that. It went another step. Once I had cheated, I got pregnant and had my daughter out of, an, like, not adulterous because I wasn't married, but mm-hmm. basically the same concept. And I damaged a lot of people in that. But then it became even worse for me. And so I, I definitely think there was a huge aspect mm-hmm. of punishment in that because I couldn't accept God's forgiveness. I couldn't accept, I couldn't, I could yeah. never forgive myself because if I forgave myself, then yeah. I was saying it was okay. And that's not true at all about forgiveness, but mm-hmm. a lot of people have that concept. So there was definitely a, an aspect of that. So in this relationship, it was very actually abusive, even though it was consensual. And it was very short-lived, thankfully. And at the end of it, the Lord had done something in me. It was almost as if he was everything that I had thought that I'd wanted. Like absolutely, hands down, absolutely everything. And But what yeah. I wanted was abuse. It was almost like either Satan or or whatever the situation brought him in. And then God used it to showcase that that's not actually what I wanted. And at the end of it, that portion, the desire to be hurt Mm -hmm. was gone. And it was like, that is not what I want. That's not, it didn't leave me feeling whole. It left me feeling empty, like not even broken. It left me feeling empty. And whenever I felt empty, 
it's a sure sign to me that, hmm, I don't want that. If I can feel hurt by something, mm -hmm. I'll go back to it. But if I don't feel anything, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, no power anymore. That was your After breaking that, point of like, and to that, start to go down portion. the road of yeah healing. I mean, yes. yeah. Yes. And then, yeah. And then right after that, I was in a Bible study and I've been, I'd gone to church every single week. I'd never missed. I would read my Bible. I would pray. I was faithful in tithing. I would do all the things that you needed to do. And because I really did desire a relationship with God, but again, I couldn't forgive myself and I couldn't accept his forgiveness because yeah, I, I actually, I, I very much identify with that. I think that that was exactly me. I think we've talked yeah. about this before you saying it again. Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of addicts are that way. A lot yeah, of people like in a, general it's feel like this a consistent way. try to a way to try to justify yourself, but without, like you say, without forgiving yourself is like, okay, I am religious yep. and God's going to fix this somehow. And well, now I'm going to do this thing, you know, it's going to change everything or whatever. I'm just, you know, yep. I'm coming up with endless amounts of stories. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we want to be set free. But we don't know how to be set free and we can't really surrender it to God because if we surrender it, then we're giving up is is this lie that is is perpetrated in a lot of people's hearts. And it did a lot of damage to me because I would be begging God, like, God, please, like, whatever you have to do to destroy my life so that way I can live for you, please do. And I remember there's this, I think it's in Psalms, and it says, give me a heart of flesh, O Lord. And like soft in my heart, basically. I have a heart of stone. Mm -hmm. Give me a heart of flesh. Let me let me feel something again. And I remember, yeah. And I, I was done. I was numb. I had nothing in me. I didn't feel anything. And I remember singing this song, weeping, because that's mm -hmm. what I wanted. I wanted to be able to have that. I wanted to feel yeah. something. But again, I was bound with fear and guilt and shame to where I didn't even feel fear and guilt and shame anymore because it yeah. was so persistent that you don't yeah. you become numb to it when your nerves are exposed to something for long enough so consistently yeah. your brain deadens it and that was it's the same thing with your emotions to a degree the lord mm -hmm. answered that prayer and i was in bible study one day and it was a co-ed bible study but for some reason we randomly we don't we didn't ever do that prior switched into girls and guys. And I was never very comfortable with girls. I always liked being with the guys. And a portion of that was because I didn't have, I didn't think I had yeah. value except for out of a sex energy. So I could get that from men, even if they weren't interested in me, there's this attraction level that comes with mm -hmm. opposite genders. And that for me was why I felt safe with the guys and I didn't feel safe with women. But so that was a setting for it. And I had female friends in this group and women who I still love dearly, who have been a blessing to me in my journey. And now we have a healthy relationship because I'm free of that. But um, at this point, I'm not free of it, still bound by it. I have struggled with lust for so long, have no idea how to get rid of it, just finished this relationship. And I, I was sitting in there and my stomach hurt. And it felt like, it felt like a snake was wrapping itself around my heart, around my intestines and constricting and pulling, but not even just a constricting, like it wasn't my heart. I wasn't just breathing. It was like something mm -hmm. was trying to kill me and it was 
painful, like incredibly painful. And I remember panicking in my head and going, God, please let this be indigestion. What is this? And I felt very strongly from the Holy Spirit, that is evil. You Mm -hmm. need to pray it out. And I've never before heard anything like that. It was clear as day. And I was like, whoa. Okay. So I'm like, ladies, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I need prayers. I don't know what's going on. And they asked me to tell them what was going on. And so I explained it. And they're like, we feel like you need to pick a couple of people to go and pray with you separately. And so I knew without a doubt who to pick, including this woman who'd really never been there before. I knew her, but she never came to Bible study. She randomly felt the Lord calling her to come in. I picked out these women. We went in the hallway and I started, they were like, okay, is there anything that, you know, you need to say or anything like that? And all of a sudden they laid their hands on me. I started sobbing. Like I didn't cry normal. Like I, like I didn't cry very much you know, dead inside kind of a thing. And I started confessing. I started telling them about the sexual sins. I started telling them about the lies. I started telling them about everything. And I didn't do that before. Cause like, I might say, okay, this was, this happened in my past. You know, you keep up this good front because you're not good enough. Otherwise, like not that other people put that on me, but I thought, you know, I'm not good enough. So And they were all like, individually, they're like, we believe you have this spirit. And it's commonly referred to as a spirit of Jezebel. And what that means is, it's for me, the way I look at it is that that's not the name of the spirit itself. It's the name for a Mm -hmm. list of symptoms. And the symptoms are control and manipulation. And a a lot of times it Mm -hmm. comes with sexual issues, uh, sexual desire to control or be manipulative in that as well. It comes with thoughts of anger. It comes with a lot of things and everything that I'd, but I didn't know. I'd never heard of this spirit. I'd never heard anything like this. So I'm just like, okay. And they're like, okay, we're going to pray over you. And we're going to pray over you right now. And they all laid hands on me and they started praying. They started praying in tongues. And I was like, oh, I don't know what this is. Uh, even though I'd gone to church with them all the time, like it wasn't something that I was really mm-hmm. exposed to. And even though I knew it was in scripture, mm-hmm. but you know, kind of glossed over that a lot of times. So they started praying for me. And all of a sudden, like I felt the Holy Spirit and I felt him like in this prayer as I'm weeping and sobbing and begging God, he takes it and I could feel it being grabbed and I could feel it flung out of me. Like it was like a visual reaction that my body had to what was going on internally and spiritually. And at that moment, everything that I'd struggled with was Mm -hmm. gone. The desire for sex or lust at all gone the desire to manipulate and lie because at this Mm -hmm. point i'm still lying i'm still living by these false names that i had i'm still not telling people my background story i'm not telling them that i'm a domestic violence victim i'm not telling them any of it i'm still living by the lie of my background and then i'm creating lies and i'm you know saying things that weren't true about how i got pregnant because i was ashamed and whatever else it was it was, I would lie about everything because I couldn't be who, I, who I was. I it met you after this, so I never, I just, you never, yes. I knew from the start, most of it, I think, I think you were pretty open at that point, so. Yeah, yes, I was, so gone through a lot of healing on that, but, but yeah, so all of these things, I really genuinely believe mm-hmm. since I was a little girl, that this is who I was, I believed that I was rebellious, that's another symptom of it, because I was, I was just rebellious mm-hmm. all the time. 
you told me to do something, I would immediately do the opposite because I can't be told what to do. But if you phrased it nicely, and you, it, yeah. you know, there's some yeah. manipulation to that even. I would manipulate. I was very good at manipulating people. Like I would be able to read them. I would be able to subconsciously know exactly what issue you were dealing with, especially men. It was very easy for me to know exactly how to manipulate them. My entire personality would shift, not consciously. It would just change. My energy would change. I would switch from either being like my normal bold self to all of a sudden I was like this 1950s simpering housewife that, you know, wore pinup dresses and whatever else. And it depended on who I was around and I would know what it was what their sinful thoughts were, what their, what was drawing their lust. And I would naturally mm-hmm. become it. And that went away. Like to a degree, I still have that discernment on when someone's struggling. I don't think that they'll ever grow away. I think it's a blessing mm-hmm. to be able to discern it, but it's no longer used to manipulate. It's now used in coaching to heal and to bless people and to be like, Hey, yeah, that's one there's thing. hope. My coach like, taught me too, is I was, I mean, I think that, I guess I haven't talked to a lot of addicts about this, but I've the ones I have covered it a little bit. It seems like it's common that we we get into this, you know, mind control, mind justification mm-hmm. game where we are putting a lot of effort into judging where people are at and trying to figure out if they mm-hmm. accept us and how can we get them to accept us in a false way. And so it's like there's yep. we do learn that it's a little bit icky, but Instead of doing it out of fear, if we just switch it to doing it out of love, then mm-hmm. it's not like we go around manipulating. But if you really love someone for real and you accept the love of God, then yeah. you're not gonna you're not going to manipulate someone in a wrong way. Like you might right, exactly. you might use that same skill to try to persuade them to something that would be good for them. Yeah, and coming from a place of empathy. Right. But you're not going to, you know what I'm saying? At first, I didn't get it. I was like, yeah. You're not yeah. manipulating at that point. Because I could manipulate somebody into good. Like, I still have the skills if I chose to use them, which sounds a little arrogant. But again, the moment you go back yeah. to it, it's evil. There's a difference between telling somebody and allowing yep, them exactly. that freedom to make yep. their own choice and manipulating them like under the surface. Like, I can sense when I know mm-hmm. when someone has trauma. And I know how to look like the person who's helping them and subconsciously subvert it and twist it and make it, then they're yeah. my pawn, basically, without while possessing, they're still possessing thinking that they're them, in control. You know, just yeah. and energetically, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and so absolutely. So you have the ability, people have the ability for good or evil, at it, and a portion of that is what we choose. And a portion of that is sometimes you are choosing evil things without intending to because of crap that you've got on yeah. you the layers basically when we have those layers we can't see clearly we can't see ourselves clearly and so of course we're going to try to make someone like us of course we're going to try to fluff ourselves up but when we genuinely know ourselves and we are actually in ourselves we realize yeah. that we don't need to do that and it takes yeah, away let's all talk of about that. a little bit of the appreciation you have for yourself or you know, what, how do you look at yourself today, uh, despite of all the past and, and, you know, what, do you love yourself? You're, yeah. Isn't that I do. beautiful? Yeah. And it is, and I'm flawed. Like loving yourself doesn't mean that you're not 
that you don't struggle in certain areas. Like there are times when I still struggle with insecurity and the moment I start to struggle with insecurity, my natural reaction mm -hmm. is to try to lie and try to like cover things up. And that's something I got to fight against. But loving yourself, loving you as your human self that God created you in his image doesn't mean that you are judging yourself. You're not harsh on yourself. You're not hating yourself. You get to embrace who you are in the same way that God gets to embrace you. When he created humans, he didn't create them to be perfect. Adam and Eve were not perfect. They clearly had the ability to sin. They have made mistakes in the garden, I'm sure, even though mistakes and sin are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect. Mistakes aren't sin. That's a little bit different, but we are going to make mistakes and god doesn't shun us yeah, for so that he think, made think us it says, knowing it and this would just probably be in the king james version that he doesn't impute those sins against us and i think you know when we yeah. are doing something that has a consequence meaning sin i guess i at this point i i celebrate that we live in that we have a human nature and that we live on earth because what we're mm -hmm. trying to do here is prepare for heaven and if we don't have the capability to learn you know to go through a struggle likely we're mm -hmm. not going to appreciate the goodness and i think i'm pretty sure that both of us have a huge appreciation for what he's done for us and other addicts that we're talking to that we have a huge they have a huge appreciation for what he's doing in their life and i'm not saying we should go through addiction to find that appreciation. But whatever it is that we face that... Yeah, everybody faces their own versions, whether they're addicted in this sense or whether they, you know, cheat <laughs> on their taxes. Like, whatever yeah. it is, if you don't love mm -hmm. yourself, you're going to struggle yeah, with and, something and like this. Like, from and a standpoint of... There's been some recent books and stuff. I can't remember off the top of my head which one, but where they talk about, okay, so do you want to, let's say, give our human nature a name? I'll call mine Lloyd. Lloyd comes along and I have this desire and, oh, what about this thing that you should be really afraid of? So what am I going to do? Am I going to decide to have a fight with Lloyd? <laughs> Is that going to help me? Right. That's no, a lot of yeah. I mean, do. like, I'm going I'm to have, you know what, Lloyd? I got this. Okay. We're, we're going to get through this. It'll be fine. Yeah. You know, like if we engage, if we're if we're hating ourselves, the result of that is fear and addiction. I mean, hate is a is a form of fear. So you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we can't fix yeah. this. It's overcoming evil is with good. That's the only way, and it's, it's not engaging. So one thing I would love to point out, and I completely 100% believe this, is that whatever sin you're struggling with, it's not the root. It's not the root. I believe that the root of things are wounds. Mm -hmm. Yes. So God desired, designed us to have this beautiful relationship with him. Our spirit, our soul knows it. But when we have an active desire to sin, not just like, oh, we sin on accident or we, we just like whatever, that's, there's a yeah. root issue yeah. to sin. And for me, mine was a wound. My wounds were many. Yes. And God went through layer by layer and healing the wounds. And until he healed all of the wounds, like he took that initial spirit out of me. That was like, I do believe that I believe completely in spirits. I've literally experienced it. 
I've experienced what some would call an exorcism, basically. And although we call it deliverance, you know, it's a nicer, nicer term than what most people think of exorcism. And that was powerful and it was necessary because until God had removed Mm -hmm. that layer, I would never have been able to be free. And it still took me going through another abusive relationship for God to completely break off another layer. So I wasn't fully healed at this point. He just took off this massive chunk that allowed me to realize yeah. these things weren't me. Behind and behind the layers, things. there's the real, there's yeah. more work. Yeah. And so not everybody needs an exorcism or deliverance. But when you've had the amount of trauma that I had and have never had never seen someone be healthy that, you know, went through trauma and grew up healthy. The, the people that I saw were healthy. They had a mom and a dad and happy, you know, middle class life. You know, that's what I saw was the only way to be happy. So, and you can't, I can't change my past on that. So, but by God doing that, taking that off, it made me realize, see myself to a degree for the first time. And I remember being in worship the next Sunday and praising for the first time in my life, being able to sing that song, I am Mm -hmm. a child of God and weeping because I Mm -hmm. fully knew it. I'd never known it. And I believed I was going to hell prior to that because I could never feel love for God. I was struggling with these sins that seemed Mm -hmm. to consume me. And then at that point I knew it was true that I could be free. And I spent the next three years of my life not having any even desires for sexual intimacy. Not that I was against it, but I was so enamored with my walk with God Mm -hmm. that it didn't come back. And then, then I had a relationship in which he was a good man. He loved God, but he had his own issues. And so I was rejected. And there was this false belief in me that I didn't know that the the reason I was unlovable prior was because I was sinning and I had this sin nature and I wasn't a good Christian, but now I was a good Christian. And so then I could be lovable. And so again, back to the misunderstanding of my value and so when I got in this relationship, I still wasn't myself. I still wasn't fully me. I was still trying to perform, but perform in a way of being mm-hmm. a better Christian. I wouldn't even, like, I think in our whole six months, he gave me maybe 10 hugs. We never held hands. And I tried to make sure that I didn't even accidentally touch him, lest he think that I was trying to to do something. I don't know what. But, and that was in me because I believe now I had to be this extra holy biblical person in order to be lovable so i replaced one addiction for another basically and when that relationship ended it and i should mention i still have high respect for him my issues not his when that ended i felt like i changed my whole life for god and all of a sudden i'm still not valuable and i hadn't realized in my heart yet that i believed that i was still not valuable that i was only valuable mm-hmm. if i acted right so then it became i went backwards i went back to addiction i went back to i i wasn't watching pornography but the lustful thoughts came back and i started dating a lot and at a certain point i ended up sleeping with someone i ended up having a one night stand as a christian as somebody who'd been completely delivered and went back and At that point, that was my probably one of my lowest points, but it was also another layer of God healing me after that. In the same way that that boyfriend 
when he was everything that I thought I wanted. And then God took that and like that empty feeling, that realization of, no, this is definitely not what I want. It happened in, in a very similar way. But, and the reason that one of the reasons I had this one night stand was because um, a, he was not a Christian and I'd only ever been with Christians before or people at least who call themselves Christians. And B, I realized at that moment that the three of my partners that I'd been intimate with um, out of four prior to that uh, had sexually assaulted me in the relationship. And I had never realized that or accepted that this was wrong. So this was a portion of why I was still struggling with the temptations, with this desire to punish myself, this desire mm-hmm. to be used because I had not accepted that someone had done wrong to me. I had actually built them up into my head as these great men who they are. A lot of them are really great people, but what they did was wrong. I just hadn't accepted that what they did was wrong because it. we were in a relationship together. We loved each other. But this non-Christian man respected a boundary of mine that I was actually saying I didn't have anymore. And it made me real. I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. He's like, no, no means no. And I was like, realizing that no had never meant mm-hmm. no before. So I, in the past, in your prior relationships that were, you were in those relationships with all these beliefs and everything that we talked about earlier, they hadn't yep. had a respect for, well, and, and to a certain extent, maybe some of it was you, the way you were looking at it and communicating with them, but there was yeah. not lines, Absolutely. there wasn't respect there. No, it wasn't. And a lot of times, like, this is one thing I see in um, relationships that are unhealthy in a Christian sense, when there's sexual intimacy, there's so many lines that kind of get drawn into Christianity, that it can be very confusing. There's so many different, like sects and subcultures of Christianity, that you never know which one you're stepping into. But there's uh, a lot of people that still ascribe to purity culture, which is basically this movement that happened in the 80s and 90s and and so on that puts your emphasis and your value Mm -hmm. on being a virgin and it and a lot of times the the values get twisted to where if you've slept with somebody nobody else is going to want you and so then you got to stay with this person and so yeah we want to twist all of this stuff is like okay so i'm gonna just twist this little piece of the verse here to suit my needs and yeah and yeah which mind you the desire behind purity culture was to promote biblical purity in a very like just like today which we have a lot of sex in the media and and sex everywhere and we want to protect our kids but the reality is is that by telling kids that their value or adults that their value is in their virginity or their sexual anything is not true and it's actually very anti-biblical because your value is solely mm-hmm. found in God. <laughs> so that's a whole yeah, other our soul, our topic soul is, that I'm it's not like, like we have a lot of sin in our past, but it's not like that has permanently yeah. damaged our soul because Jesus has redeemed us. Right. It's not like we're I mean right. well, who knows? Maybe God knows. But the way it, the way I read the Bible, it's that his blood is washed as clean as Amen. possible beyond like back to the really? same way it started. And that's what I feel like real healing is, is, you know, getting to that level of, all right. So at the end of your story, yeah. there was these layers that, I mean, it seemed like 
as I'm listening here, it's like you're unraveling all of these different house of cards we talked about in the beginning. And, and really, um, there's a, even here at the end story in the last, the one night stand, there's, there's something that you're realizing that's even deeper than what you thought, which was that, Hey, someone can, like, it's like, there's a relationship here where I can be close. He can respect me. There can be a, boundaries I can set there's things I can you know just a ton of different things that you're working through psychologically as you're untaking the layers away and I would like to think that one reason I'm doing this podcast is we we want to help people to work through their their challenges and their addictions and we'd love to somehow shorten the time that you're in bondage and but we have to remember and Jamie and I are not justifying anything that we've done but we have to remember that this is not in our control completely and god knows the state of our mind and our heart and he knows where we are and so i do think that we can have conversations with him about some of this and not have to get punished for our beliefs but at the same time that his mercy is that we would work through all of it and if that process involves more mistakes so we get that consequence Mm -hmm. and he's not sitting there saying hey you crossed this one last line here and you're done he's saying hey i want you to be whole i want you to be healed i want you to receive what i intended for you to be in the beginning and i want to expose the part of you that is good and that that i can work with Mm -hmm. consistently so you know there is a lot of complication to And I'm just, for myself, I'm thinking through like, okay, so I have this desire that I would help other people to make it so it's not 20 years of addiction or whatever. Well, that's just me, right? you know, and God is going to use what we're talking about and and every every one of these podcasts in the way that he wants to. So um, just be sensitive to what he wants to do. And of course, whatever I think is immaterial. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that we expect our journey with God to look very Mm -hmm. perfect. Once I'm a Christian, it's all going to be good and I'm going to not want to sin and it'll be great because I love God. And the reality is, is that we are messed up and we have a lot of that layer. A lot of the actions that we take are out Mm -hmm. of these layers. You know, I do not believe that I 100% believe that my sleeping with someone outside of marriage Mm -hmm. was sin. Straight up was. And even in this time, like my heart was hardened against God and I knew it. I don't want it to be. I would, I would pray. I'd be like, God, I need you to heal me because I, I, I was in a very low point of my walk, believing again that I had no value, but it was worse this time because I'd been set free prior to it. And now I went backwards and it was like, once you've been set free and you go backwards, it's like, whoa. God already delivered me one time. I can't ask for it a second time, even though I wanted to be free. I was again trying to do it in my own self. And that leads down a bad road. But I think ultimately God did use this. And so after this one night stand, in a way it was actually very healing because I, for the first time, really fully had the knowledge that my consent would be honored. This man was not a Christian. He had no desire to have a relationship with me. Uh, He had no intentions of it being anything other than a one night stand. And I knew that. And I was good with that. 
even though I've never been good with that before. I'm uh, still not good with that. But at that moment, I was like, I need to not have the emotional aspect of sex. And I need to just know that it's that I can say no at any point. And that in itself to know that I had the that that's you should always have whether you're Christian, non Christian, you should never feel pressured to it, you should never feel like you need to perform. And that was healing. And so after that moment, that desire, the desire for to sleep around the desire to um, be used again was gone. The struggles with lust were again gone. And I realized I Mm -hmm. need healing because again, this was the first time I'd actually acknowledged that I was sexually assaulted and sexually assaulted only by Christians. So the thing about sexual assault is sexual assault is when a boundary has been broken in a sexual manner. It doesn't always look like you screaming no and mm-hmm. them holding you down. It looks like you saying no and leaving the room and them following you and trying and continuing and pushing your boundaries until you get to a point of weakness, until you get to a point of saying, fine, mm-hmm. just whatever you want. Or manipulating you and guilt tripping you and saying, well, if you really loved me, if you really trusted me. And those things have been done. And then afterwards being blamed for it, being told, well, I wouldn't have sinned yeah. if it weren't for you. You know, if you Manipulation were stronger. Manipulation afterwards to so it's, say, again, prep you for that. Yes. And especially in the spiritual context, it really twisted my view of God. It twisted my view of me and it mm-hmm. twisted my view of sex. All of these layers were always wrapped up in it. And so after this, this incident with this man and I went to my Bible study and I was like, so this is what's going on. I was like, I sobbed mm-hmm. in Bible study, broke down, ugly crying, telling them about where my faith was at, the recognition. I actually did a Facebook live the next day after this incident, after I had this one night stand, being like, I'm in a really bad place and I've, I've been sexually assaulted and, I, and I'm just recognizing it. And it's not been, I know that not all Christian men are like this at all, but I'm also saying that the amount of Christian men who agree with this behavior, it's done damage to me. And thankfully, God had put right after, right right during this time period, these amazing Christian men in my life who um, were there and were like, no one should ever do that to you. And this is what God actually says. And this is how a godly man acts. And so I'm so very blessed on that. And a lot of those men are still my friends. And that was very healing too, to know that there are good Christian men out there. I didn't want to destroy my faith in Christian men because it it shouldn't. It shouldn't at all. Those actions by those people who call themselves Christian did not mm-hmm. reflect God. And it did not reflect the heart yeah. of someone who's healed. They were acting with their own brokenness. And while I forgive them, I'm not going to be okay with somebody doing that again. You know, But I decided I was going to step away from dating and take my time to heal. And the I was like, I don't know how long that's going to take. But I'm giving myself the ability to Mm. process this and the ability to ugly cry, the ability to be angry, the ability to say what they did was wrong. And I don't harbor any ill will towards them. In fact, I pray for them. I, I pray blessings on them. These were years ago. And hopefully they've grown and changed and gotten healed of their own things. And they're no longer that person. And I don't think any, not one of them intentionally set out thinking, I'm going to be this person that's going to push these boundaries. 
unfortunately, we all push boundaries when we have mm-hmm. a lot of junk on us. So, we're selfish. Yeah. But the reality is, is that when we are in those states, we do damage to other people and put more things on them. So that was what happened. Like I said, they're very forgiven. I'm sure they're amazing people now. It just was something I needed to process and acknowledge and heal from. And this was a very ugly way that the Lord chose to use that situation to heal it. He didn't choose to put me in that situation. I chose that situation, but God can still take ugliness Mm -hmm. and heal with it. That's the beauty of who God is. You know, it's a, in scripture, it says, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but God will use um, everything to the good of those who love him. And even our mistakes is basically like he will use everything. We sin, we make mistakes, we do stupid things, we do dumb things. And God can still use it to heal us or use it to heal others. That's my kind of processing through that. And the the thing that I think that every person who struggles with any addiction or any sin, but especially any sexual addiction, it is a journey. And there might come a time when you are free of it. And there might come another time when you're struggling with it again. And that's not, you shouldn't beat yourself up on it, but recognize, okay, What is the root of the issue? What is actually going on that I need to heal from? And talk with God, talk with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, if if you don't know what it is, ask God what it is. Have him reveal it to you and say, God, whatever this is, I need you to heal it. I need you to get to the root issue. I don't like what's coming out of me. Because again, lust is not the root. Lust is a symptom of the issue. Whenever we are trying to take something, it's because there is something in us that thinks that we need yeah. something else to heal, that we need something. The need yeah, is not I... being met. And it's not the immediate thing of like, oh, I guess I need sex. No, that's not the reality. It's there's some wound in us that is trying to heal itself by doing something yeah, that's going to damage probably us. the most popular book for me to mention on this podcast, at least so far. So I don't know if it'll be in the future, but Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. And that's exactly what he talks about, which is that the addiction is coming from a place of need, of a wound, Mm -hmm. and rejection, or I can't remember the other one, but basically um, I'll have to read it again on the next podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, yeah, I mean, there's, there's something that's missing. And so for me, the end of that healing journey was to give that part that was missing in my childhood, the rejection that I felt from middle school or uh, or even from mm-hmm. being the oldest and not being having a dad home very much, things like that, that some of it I made up, some of it was real, some of it was painful. That rejection, yeah. when you know, that was the healing for me was when I gave that to God, that original, like you say, the root of why I chose it. Yeah. And so... Yeah, that's really so. Well, that was that was a lot, Jamie, but that is really powerful <laughs> that you are willing to share that with with people that are going down that road. And and really, I think it's it's good to just realize that we have all these opinions about men and women and and whatever. And and sometimes just breaking that apart and just realizing that we're human and we're all human beings, especially today. Yeah. It's like there's all these labels that people want to put on on us, on the sexes, on races and everything. And it's like, wait, yeah. we're all human and we all need help. Yeah, exactly. we all struggle. We all struggle with things. Lust is not a man issue. Lust is a people issue. Because again, it's not the root issue. 
we all struggle with all types of sin. No sin is differentiated by sex. It's or gender or any of that. It's it's differentiated by mm-hmm. well, it's not yeah. of God. That's really it. And we all struggle with it. We all struggle with different things. And the amount of women that I know that actually struggle with lust but don't ever feel like they can talk about it is quite a few because it's been talked about, especially in church, as yeah. a man issue. And that it's not, a, not something that God designed for women in any way. And it's it's very interesting, the uh, the people that believe that, because it, it puts women and men into these boxes that God didn't design us for, but they think it's what God designed mm-hmm. us for. And it does a lot of damage because men don't feel like they can talk to women about it. And women don't feel like they could talk to men about it, even though men are the ones that are stereotypically the ones that should know what it feels like. And then you've got, you know, I remember being a teenager and struggling with this in church. And we went to a teen conference when I was, I think, 18. And they had a, a, you could go out and do these different, they had tons of different teachings. And the teaching was about lust and pornography and how to overcome it. And it was supposed to be a co-ed class. And I was so excited. I was like, I can get help they can tell me what I can do. And there's, there's people who are like me. And my pastor at the time told me that the girls were not allowed to go from our church. There were hundreds of churches there. And um, so there were going to be girls in there, but he was going to have all the boys attend it. And it wasn't appropriate for girls that they knew to be in it. And so we were going to go and we were going to make friendship bracelets in the women's about how to be, how to know your worth as a woman. And I remember my female leader actually, I've never seen her upset before, but she was actually very upset because of the, Mm -hmm. that, and the reality that I I was again being told that there's no help for you. You're weird. This is a man issue. This isn't a you, you if you have this issue. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to tell you, go make some friendship bracelets and let's talk about your beauty. And those are great. Those are great things and some people need to hear that. And I think we all do to a degree. But at that moment, like it was just this this context that, well, God doesn't yeah. have help for you. You're yeah. beyond. That is amazing. Help. I'm really glad we close with that. Like just you're breaking down whoever's listening. You're helping them to break this, that down too. And we get into these yeah. strange zones. And I remember when I first talked to you and I, I had to work through that myself. It's like, okay, so th- this is not like, I've never talked about this type of content with a, with a woman. I just, with, is with it okay? Woman, and, yeah. And, you know, the yeah. thing is like, we're, we're not here on earth to, to just hide uh, behind labels. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that we want to go around. And I think that it's really helpful to expose this type of stuff and to admit it to others and, We've got this shame we're carrying around, like you've demonstrated several times in your story, and we need to tell someone and we need to let it go. And like, what are we going to do? Put women in, or yeah. young ladies in, in boxes and say, no, you got, you can't deal with your shame. So I'm hopeful that right. even in this episode, we're breaking that down and, and really appreciate you sharing what you did and, and your story. I know it was it was, um, I think we're at about an hour and 20 minutes right now, but it was a lot. But but yet, like, <laughs> there is so yeah. much in this story to dig into what God did for you, but also what you realize and the wounds and just so, just mm-hmm. very beautiful. So thank you very much for sharing. Thank you for having me. It's been a blessing and I'm encouraged and I pray that, 
you know, this would somehow help someone else. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I think I know you've told a lot of people. So do you still feel like after all of the different layers of the story and how much you've told that it's still healing every time you hear you tell it? Yeah. Yes. It's it's this it's a stamp that I make in, in the in the dirt each time that I am not going to hide. I'm not going to lie. I'm no longer that person. I'm in and every time there's um there's a, another scripture that says um something about hearing yeah. testimonies like we were saved by uh the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and i believe that that's true i believe that every time we speak about what god has done it is a reminder to ourselves as well as a blessing to other people but it is a reminder of god has delivered me that there's a reason the israelites still tell those stories about the desert and what god delivered them from and they celebrate it and it's mm-hmm. god delivered me from this and it's a reminder the stamp and the dirt again and again yep, and again absolutely totally agree so yeah we're supposed to admit what has happened to us and confess to others and yes and yes i mean how i mean there's all kinds of ways to glorify god but yes this is a wonderful way it's just to tell we don't want to you know sometimes i i worry about sometimes people happening across these these podcasts and being burdened by them but, you know, honestly, like, that's not even a thing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can just be honest with ourselves about our humanity. And we can be yeah. honest with ourselves about other people's mistakes and how we can apply it to ourselves. Uh, instead of, it's like reading the Bible and just putting ourselves in the shoes of, of the disciples all the time and saying, well, you know, we're just like them. We can see how we're like them. But really... We need to read, at least for me, I need to read the Bible as I'm the hip, as I'm the Pharisee, mm-hmm. I'm the publican, I'm the one that's making all the mistakes. And that's where I get the benefit from. If you're listening to the podcast and, and you're having trouble with the fact that we're human and there's sin, I feel sorry for you. And why maybe it's time to read the Bible from the perspective of the, of the Pharisee, <laughs> if you follow me. Compassion because I was 100% the person who was like, You can't talk about that. Yeah, no, totally me too. Yeah, I was like, I'm fine. I'm I'm completely okay. Like, you're the problem. (laughs) And it's it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I'm hurting people and myself. So, anyway, it's uh, it's all very interesting. And I think we could probably go on for hours. But (laughs) anyway, thanks again, Jamie, and uh, have a good night. You too. Thank you for tuning in. And to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.